Hey folks, and welcome to Brown and Out. Today I'm talking with Noah Coffee Moore. How's it going today, Noah? Good. Without um too much of a heavy or burdened hand, would you like to tell us your story? My story? I know it it, it already sounds heavy and burdened. I know, um like, what is my story? I think well, everyone's is like Pretty much kind of the same, but like vastly different. So <laughs> take us back to that September September evening. <laughs> I'm like, of my I, birth. Yeah. My birth story. Okay, cool. So uh I was born um September seventh, nineteen ninety three. And uh you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't really remember my birth necessarily, but once I started to be like cognizant of like, you know, being a person, um, probably around eight years old, um, <laughs> I, you know, I started recognizing like, okay, like here's me, here's Noah. And, uh, you know, I grew up, um, in Palmer, Massachusetts, hmm, okay. um, which is like 40 minutes outside of Northampton. Okay. Um, and it's a very, very, very small town. Uh-huh. Um, it's the town of seven railroads and three rivers. Is that like on a placard somewhere at yeah, in like the tourism yep. bureau? <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. It's awesome. Like Palmer, the town of seven railroads and three rivers. Like that's like the. It's sort of shtick. like a long, um, nickname for a town. <laughs> I feel like. I know. I know. It's pretty weird, but, uh, yep. I was born there, you know, lots of cornfields, Lots of, uh, you know, I don't even know, like, just stuff. But uh, <laughs> anyway, basically, so, yeah, I grew up um, in Palmer and uh, with my mom and dad and eventually my two siblings, my younger siblings. Um, yeah, and it was it was weird, for sure, for sure. As a, What made Palmer weird? Um, Palmer was weird because we were – the only people of color in my town. That was strange. Um, sometimes, you know, like, folks would come in and go out of the school system. You know, like, sometimes we'd have, like, folks of color, like, come through for a year or so. But generally, um, yeah, it was a very, very, very white space. Um, and my mom is white, and so um, that was another added layer of weirdness in terms of, like, you know, being, like, black children, like, in this white space with a black dad and a white mom and not really seeing ourselves reflected in our community um, while we were growing up. Um, Yeah, so that was, that was a thing for sure. Um, And once I was around, I would say 16 or so, I started going to, um, I actually started performing at talent shows. um, Around Palmer. Around Palmer. It was, like, in Munson or in Wilbraham. So, um, shout out to <laughs> <laughs> those places as well. Shout out to them. Um, yeah. And I just, um, I met some cool people who, um, asked me to be in their band for a day, which was really cool. I oh, was like, only, I was like a, only one day. I was like, I was sort of like a stand in, if you will. Oh, okay. Vocalist. For like a couple of gigs. Okay. So uh, I, <laughs> and it was the first time I had ever performed with anyone else. I had be I had been performing as um, a singer songwriter. So um, I'm curious about this. So in Palmer, 
um, did you say at 16, around mm-hmm. 16, mm-hmm. you had you been writing songs? Is that? Yeah, I've mm-hmm. been writing sounds for a couple of years mm-hmm. um, since I was like 14. Right. Um, and yeah, and then I started doing the talent shows, performing those songs. Guitar? Guitar. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, and it was really fun. And then I met that, those those folks and on the circuit basically yes. uh, yeah yeah okay. like at the same talent show and they're like hey you should sing with us and i was like okay that's and awesome so, yeah i performed with them a couple of times and that's sort of how i got into the music scene in western mass um so i was meeting a lot of really amazing musicians like mal Visa and and the kids um shout out to them shout out to them amazing 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 people um and so, yeah, then I just started to, like, go to shows all the time. And that was, like, really life-saving for me because I found all these amazing people in this community that also loved music. And, um, yeah, it was just a really awesome outlet for me as I was sort of nearing my senior year and I was pretty over it. <laughs> um, it was really awesome for me to be able to, like, go to Northampton and, like, go to a show and, like, hang out with people and not be so trapped in, like, white suburbia. That was, like, really difficult for me at the time. Well, thank God for music. Thank God for music. Exactly. So, you are making it big <laughs> on the... Northampton scene I was I was playing shows for sure I mean I played probably almost 100 shows in like a span of I don't know three or four years um and that was like such great it was just such a great learning experience for me to be welcomed with open arms into this community and um to have people be really invested in um the music I was playing and um and, and yeah, and so eventually it was starting, I was just starting to feel like, I was like, okay, like I love making this music, but like I want to make folk rock music. Like I want to make music where people can dance. I want to make music that people don't have to sit down for. Um, and so that was like an interesting transition that started to happen for me. Like once I was, you know, 18 or 19, I was like, okay, like, there's some other music that I want to be making. You you said you started off with folk rock? I started off with folk. Okay. Like, period. Just, like, a lot of, like, ballads. A lot of, you know, my own music where I was just writing about, like, love and heartbreak. And, you know, like, all like all these, like, beautiful emotions. And people were really into it. And, like, were really touched and moved. And, um, and that was really awesome. And I was also, like, you know, after I'd wrap up my set, like you know, all these, like, amazing musicians would come on and just, like, be, like, making music that people could, like, dance to. And I was really sort of feeling like, I want to do that, too. You know, mm. like, I want to, like, I want to, like, be feeling, like, elated as well, like, when I'm, like, performing. Hmm. Um, yeah. Well, when you first started, what artists were you inspired by? Um... <laughs> well, this is embarrassing, but like I nope, was <laughs> not here. No place for embarrassment here. I was like, I mean, my mom. She, I mean, when I was like three, she like gave me a cassette of Joni Mitchell, oh. you know, songs. Like that was like my beginning, beginning. Um, and so I listened to a lot of Joni Mitchell, Joan Baez, a lot of Bob Dylan. Like that was like my sort of like initial start. 
Um, and then I started getting into like Laura Marling, um, who's an amazing singer songwriter. Um, and of course, like, you know, as in my young indie girl phase, I would say, I was really into like Regina Spector and like, you know, like all of that sort of like kind of like folk pop type stuff. Um, is definitely what I was listening to when I was like 16 for sure. Good tunes. <laughs> if it's good, if it's good enough for Orange is the New Black. Uh, you know, I mean, hey, <laughs> it was very popular for a while, for sure. <laughs> it did the thing, you know? Um, yeah. So, um, at a certain point, you felt like you wanted to change course with your music. Mm-hmm. And how did that go? It's going. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> it's going. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I bought an electric guitar, um, and I I started doing a lot of research, you know, listening to a lot of new people. Um, such as? Such as. I know you're going to ask me that. Why uh, is it? A, I, if I'm, I'm stepping, like, if I'm crossing lines I shouldn't let me know <laughs> but I'm interested in the um, artists that you are mm. listening to that are inspiring you that's a great question <laughs> is it Migos <laughs> oh is that a, was that a good guess that's a I mean that's a great guess. I definitely listen to them it's not really my inspiration but like okay for instance I listen to No Name a lot and like oh, they yeah. are right like, yeah they're doing amazing amazing they're work so rad yeah um yeah, and so, yeah, I guess folks who are sort of, like, I mean, like, Frank Ocean, for instance, like, his new album, like, that's, like, super inspiring to Blonde? me. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love, I really love music where there's a vocalist, um, and there's also, like, a beat happening, mm-hmm. so it's, like, a little bit of, like, folk rocky, a little bit of, like, experiment, not experimental, um, uh, what's the word, like, instrumental. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love that sound. Um, in, and for a while I was sort of like, well, I need to learn how to make my own, I need to, you know, learn how to make, to produce my own music, Mm. like electronically. And then I was like, well, there's lots of people who do that really well. And like, maybe I just need to find those people. So, um, I've been doing a lot of writing, um, which is interesting because like when I originally started playing music, I usually create the, the music first and then the words, Mm. um, but, yeah, I've just been writing a lot of words um, and sort of searching for that new sound that will fill me up and also um, bring new light to the things I want to say. Is poetry something that you do also? Yeah. I So when I went to school, when I went to college, I, um, <laughs> I started in the voice program. Um, and so I was, like, singing classical voice music and jazz and sort of like dabbling in that and I also found myself in a lot of poetry classes um and so yeah it's always been a big part of my life I think you know when I was younger like when I was in high school I was really into um like slam poetry that was like really fun for me um and I you know wrote a couple of slam poems and things like that um and then once I got to college I sort of just started writing poems um and yeah it was always like a really awesome outlet for me in terms of 
sort of got grappling with identity and um yeah my sense of place and things like that so yeah when you went to college mm-hmm. is when you got into poetry you would say yeah 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 the music shift was sort of happening later on so i was still performing music at that point in my my most uh what's the word <laughs> i can't remember mm, like i was still making music in the way that i in the, in the way that i was and then i didn't make that shift until like you know recently in the past year or so so did you go to school in northampton area well, I first first I went to school at Bennington College. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went to Hampshire. I transferred after a year. Hampshire. Where is that? That is in Amherst. So, okay, got it. Yeah. Um, and I had taken a year off as well, so I was in Colorado for a year doing oh. AmeriCorps program. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. I went from AmeriCorps in Colorado to. Bennington. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it sounds all very mountainous. Mount, definitely mountainous. White. White. Um, yep. And what else? Oh, you know, those are really good. <laughs> those are really good descriptors. Start, start there. <laughs> That's, yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, AmeriCorps was really interesting because I did a lot of things and I was like, wow, I don't want to do any of these things when I grow up. Right? <laughs> you, you got the chance to try out a bunch of different yeah. Like fields? Yeah, 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 basically. Um, I was, what did I do? I was like, um, I was building a trail in Missouri. Um, that was my first assignment. Um, I um, was chainsawing trees in the mountains, feeding bison. That was very interesting. Um, the one thing that I did do that I, I loved, I was I worked at a boys and girls club in downtown Denver, um, and that was really fun because I was working with youth that I really um, enjoyed being around and um, learned a lot. Um, and I worked at a, um, a charter school in Denver as a teacher's assistant, so that was also really fun too to sort of figure out like what that looks like and watch what the teacher does and and learn how to, you know, sort of meet students where they're at. So that was cool. Some of the things I I would like to do again, others of those things, maybe not. (laughs) But they're good experiences because, I mean, how else do you know? Right, it's true. Very true. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, so after that, uh, I went to um, Bennington and all throughout – AmeriCorps, I was also writing songs and writing poems. And then once I got to Bennington, I was like, great, I can do both these things here. This is perfect. I love it. I really feel like, you know, the professors really are invested. It was, I mean, it was a school for sure for me that like felt like, uh, yeah, professors were very invested in like, you're a really talented person and like you deserve to be making the art that you want to make. And that's like a really you know, special thing to hear. And also, like, um, I felt really – I had some cognitive dissonance going on because um, I was just surrounded by people who came from a lot of wealth. And, like, it was a very big culture shock for me in terms of um, the amount of wealth that students had (laughs) often at Bennington. Um, And so – you know, I was in art classes, I was in poetry classes, and, like, you know, the professors were telling us we're all smart and special and amazing, and, like, 
Meanwhile, like I'm, you know, working close to full time to pay for my things. And like no one seemed to have that same experience. Um, And, you know, as I'm like sitting in a sculpture class or whatever, like really feeling what I'm making, like I also was like, okay, in three years, like I need to be able to support myself and like a lot of the students I was surrounded by like didn't have to think about that in the same way and so that was really hard for me um to sort of come to terms with where I was like okay great like thank you for telling me my art is really special and important and also like it's not the same for me right so um yeah so I sort of decided to transfer for that reason just because I felt like I wasn't really getting the tangible like life skills that I needed um in the same way that I thought a different school could offer um so you know Bennington was sort of its own little bubble of like an art school and it was like really like amazing to like be you know supported in that way to make the things I wanted to make but ultimately um transferring was I think a really great decision for me in terms of being not only in a place where I knew the music scene and I respected the musicians that were in that area and already had connections but I also transferred to a school that was really able to foster my sort of creativity in a way that I could um translate that into um sort of yeah supporting myself and and finding ways to to um be in community which was really important. So you're back in the Northampton area, cut two, yep. um, and school is going well, and or better, or yeah, okay. better for okay. sure, for <clears throat> sure. Mm-hmm. And then, do, do you graduate from there? Is that the story, or? <laughs> is, yeah, I mean, yes, there's yes, there's a lot of stuff <laughs> in it, but basically, yes, I graduated. I mean, I graduated last January, so oh yes, it that's took right. me a I while. Re- I recall on the social media seeing that yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, cap and gown. Yeah, I remember yeah. now. It's all coming back. Um, yeah, so I also experienced being an older student at school too, which is uh-huh. interesting. So I mean, sometimes it just takes as long as it takes, it takes right? As long as it takes, like whatever. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Um, I'm so happy that you graduated. Congratulations. Transferring to Hampshire was awesome in a lot of ways. While I was at Hampshire, it felt a lot more real to me. Like it felt like the real world in a lot of ways um, that Bennington didn't. Um, And I also, at that same time, I was sort of dealing with some like difficult family stuff that was going on. Um, And, you know, for the first time was sort of like you know feeling what it felt like to like have mental health that like wasn't perfect or like you know quote unquote like I was starting to sort of understand and notice like my body and my mind and my heart like going through different things um and so I think continuing to write during that time is really important for me um and I also like you know I'm a Virgo (laughs) um as you know (laughs) Um, and so I was just, like, going really hard. Like, I was going really hard. Like, I was, you know, in full-time school, and I was also gigging all the time, like, playing music, and I was also working, like, 30-plus hours a week, um, and had all this family stuff going on, and, 
you know, like I was just like really, 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 really pushing myself. And, you know, as a lot of college students do. Um, And so um, I had been grappling with like chronic illness for a long time, but like wasn't able to sort of like name that for myself because of like internalized ableism, you know? Um, And so, yeah, I was just feeling like my body was taking a hit for sure. Um, and it's, you know, it's unclear for me, like whether I had chronic illness, like before college and then it like exacerbated it or whether like the sort of like choices I was making was, were, you know, sort of, um, creating that, that issue for me. But, um, that was something that I definitely deal, dealt with, um, for a lot of my college time was just being really tired and really, um, not feeling well and still like pushing through those things. Um, and eventually I ended up doing a play, which was like wild. I mean, I was like doing all these things. And then also I was like, I'm going to do a play. And like that like took over my life for a whole year. And it was amazing. But I was also just like sort of not paying attention to my body and like making space for it to, you know, rest and to, you know, just a lot of like, running home, like, shoveling food in my mouth, like, going to rehearsal, coming home, like, it's two in the morning, I'm, like, doing home, you know, it's just, like, the, like, pressure of, like, being a student was sort of, um, starting to creep up on me as I, um, was nearing the end of school, um, and also at the same time, like, you know, by the time I was, like, a junior, I moved off campus, like, I met, you know, like, really amazing friends that are still my friends um and was sort of invited into queer community in a really amazing way like I um yeah I had I had sort of experienced like I had one relationship with a woman and um I was like maybe I'm a lesbian and then I was and then like that didn't really like fit for me and so (laughs) Um, and so, like, by the time, yeah, by the time I was, like, a junior in college, I was, like, what is queer? Like, what does that word mean? Like, cool, okay. And, like, just had a lot of really amazing people, um, sort of validate for me that, like, you can be femme and also queer, um, and also, you know, just, like, learning the difference between sexuality and gender and, like, all that stuff started happening for me. So, um, it was, yeah, I sort of came rather late in my own experience but um it was really cool to to have that happen i'm Um, sure you were right on time (laughs) i think i was um yeah so that was really cool to sort of be back in the valley um and just in a new way is that what they call it there that's what they call it they call it the valley and that's short for the pioneer valley which is less you know great why yeah, yeah when you make it yeah. just it's like, it's like, oh, like yeah, i don't know where did that come from that. i don't know we don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> distance distance yourself from that image i think is a good idea yeah, <laughs> so lol um so then was it from um amherst to burlington was that your next leap um well i was Yes. But, <laughs> yeah, I was yeah, I was living in Northampton when I graduated, which was last year. 
Um, and then, yeah, that was my big, I mean, I traveled a little bit for a month. Um, and yeah, and then Burlington was my next big leap. And how are you enjoying it here? (laughs) Thanks for asking. Um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, it was definitely a learning experience for me in terms of coming back to Vermont and trying to figure out what my relationship to Vermont will be. Um, I also spent a lot, I mean, a large part of my life is that I spent um, summers at camp in Vermont um, and worked at a summer camp where were the Where were the camps? Um, at Farm and Wilderness. Okay. I don't know about them. What do they do? Who's they, that? Um, okay, so Farm Wilderness is a, it's technically a Quaker camp. Ah. It's, like, it's like loose Quaker. Love you know? it. Perfect. Um, <laughs> um, and it's a lot of just, yeah, farm and wilderness things. It's like, you know, going on trips, milking cows, that sort of thing. It's also, you know, they do a lot of like being in community and what does that mean and doing chores and things like that. So it was, I mean, it's a really cool place. Um, and I was, you know, I was a camper, I was a CIT, I worked there for, you know, like a couple more summers and, um, yeah, it was always sort of an escape for me. Um, and also I've been doing a lot of, yeah, sort of like unpacking what that actually was, you know, in terms of like finding solace in spaces that are beautiful and close to nature and, um, can help facilitate sort of t- tuning into yourself that also were just like so white and like being a person of color in those spaces like I mean it was it's just again like a lot of cognitive dissonance like trying to I mean you know and then working there like trying to be a mentor for youth and you know having like one out of every 10 youth you know being a person of color and sort of like grappling with that too um so all of that had sort of already happened and I had you know obviously been to Bennington so when I made the decision to come back to Vermont I was thinking about all these things and trying to figure out like okay like what is Vermont for me um and what what can it be realistically so that's something that I've been definitely been thinking about for sure to this day. To this day, I'm still <laughs> thinking about it. Um, what can you tell us about Black Femme Survival? Word. Um, Black Femme Survival is a project that I started last year, um, and it sort of grew out of my thesis at Hampshire. Um, uh, Hampshire has uh, sort of like it like a non-traditional sort of structure and basically your last year of school you do a big project and it can be a paper or a play or you know an album um the Virgo that I am I did three different projects um I finished my album um and so that was part of it um and I directed a play um which was really fun um and it was all folks of color um, tell, us, their own. tell us about the play. Sorry. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was awesome. It was sort of um, a collection of works, weaving voices, a survival play. 
what it's called. Tell us about Weaving Voices. Weaving Voices, um, it was a really cool project. Um, I I had transferred into the theater program when I got to Hampshire um, because I did that play and I was inspired and um, I worked with um, some amazing folks um, and I really wanted to try directing. Um, so Weaving Voices was the second play you were involved in. Yes. And the first one, what was your level of involvement? The first one um, was a production of Orpheus, and I was Orpheus, I got cast, which was really interesting. I was also... Um, That's not the person from The Matrix, is it? That's a different... Is no. it the same? It's different? De- definitely different. Okay. Definitely different. Um, it, and it was cool because they, they cast two femme people um, as like the lovers or whatever, and I was sort of in my like baby queerdom, and I was just like... <gasps> oh my god like i have to be this like suave like masculine person and i don't know how to do that yet <laughs> like that's awesome though. <laughs> so it was really fun um yeah so and i so i was just an actor in that oh, okay um and then in the weaving voices project i um had some of my really closest my best closest um theater friends um join in to this project um and my little brother was in it. And it was really cute. Um, and basically, folks sort of brought their own um, poetry and material to the table. And we shared it with one another. And then I sort of sculpted um, sort of like a, like a um, not a narrative, but a sort of, it was like a um, collage, if you will, of, of works. Um yeah, it was really cool, and I ended up um, finding some really amazing people to do um, lighting and sound, and there was an art show afterwards, um, and I used um, some really amazing um, visual art um, students who, yeah, sort of brought their own art to the table and made a bunch of installations, so the actors were sort of acting in the installation and then afterwards people were selling their art and there was music and food and it was just yeah it was a really cool project um to be a part of I um definitely did not know how much work directing is (laughs) um and um yeah I just got a lot of really amazing experience in terms of like you know directing and also producing a show and also acting in it as well like um you know, how much work goes into making a theater production happen. So, um, yeah, it was really, it was, it was fun. So that was part of my thesis work. Um, yeah. And then black film survival was the other part of that. Um, and, uh, black film survival started because when I was in my first semester of school, I got into a car accident and I had a huge concussion Thankfully, nothing else was wrong with me um, after that happened. Um, but I had a major concussion and I couldn't read or write um, because I couldn't, like, focus my eyes. Like, I couldn't look at my computer. Like, I couldn't look at screens in general. Like, it was, like, really hard and bizarre. And I was in my final year. And so I was supposed to be making a thesis. Like, I was supposed to be reading and writing every day. Um, so I was just, like... I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like, I've been in school for so long. I need this shit to be over. 
Um, what am I going to do? Like, what can I produce? Um, and you know, my Virgo self, I was like, whatever it needs, whatever it is, like needs to be perfect. Like I need to like, (laughs) you know, like I need it to be good. Um, and so I was freaking out. I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I, I mean, the only thing I could do is listen to podcasts. Like that's the only thing I could really do is listen. Um, and so then I came, I was coming up with this idea where I was like, okay, like, you know, what exactly do I have to say right now? Like, and what I, what I think I want to say is that like, shit's hard and like people survive anyway. Um, and so I was like, okay, I don't need to read to come to that conclusion. Like I can just listen to people, you know, like share their own stories. So what I ended up doing was, um, doing interviews with folks, um, about their personal survival stories. Um, and that was really interesting, um, because yeah, I just, I mean, it's exactly what you're doing right now. It's like, you just get to pay attention to someone, you know? And, um, like that is so important. I feel like so many of our stories aren't told because no one is like, present and listening to them um and like I mean that's what poetry was for me that's what music was for me like sharing bits and pieces of myself to people who were willing to listen to them and so um I did around four or five different interviews um with a bunch of different people um I did an interview with Leah Lakshmi who's really amazing um I did an interview with La Loba Loca who's also really amazing um and um yeah, I did a I did an interview with Miss Major, which was so incredible. Um, and yeah, it was just like really illuminating for me um, that there was so much incredible um, spirit of survival and thriving in people's own um, own stories and the ways that they've they've survived. So. Um, that sort of branched off into um, the Black Home Survival Guide, which was sort of my um, attempt of, of sort of collecting some of this inspiration into a little guide for folks. Um, and a lot of that stemmed from, you know, back to like growing up like in a white town with a white mom. Like I, for a long time, envisioned like what would – my like fairy godmother sound sound like you know like and thinking about like cinderella like you know like watching like whitney houston like was my fairy godmother like that's who she you know like and so i was like okay like who what is that voice you know like what is the voice that i needed to hear when i was younger and didn't um that sort of like validates like how shit is hard and also like how resilient I am and whatever, um, as a young person. And so, um, yeah, I did a lot of work sort of, um, validating, you know, like, you know, the three voices inside of ourselves, the, the inner child voice that like just has basic needs and like, and that's that. Um, and the sort of like external weird voice that is you know i believe is stemmed from capitalism and is very like judgmental and you're to this or you're to that or exactly right it's like it's like okay inner child's like i need to go to bed 
And, you know, that, like, weird capitalist voice is like, nope, like, why would you need to go to bed? Like, that's so stupid. Like, you need to be productive. It's also for like, losers. Right, exactly. Yeah. Totally. Sleep right. is for the weak, for sure. Right, exactly. So, you know, and, like, who's that very godmother voice that's like, oh, my gosh, like, you're so tired. Like, let's take a nap. And, like, also, you know, we have to get this work done. And so how can we, like, do both of those things? Like, it's that inner compassion um, voice that comes through, like, and validates, like, what you actually need. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of the book sort of talks about that and why um, it's so hard for black and brown femmes especially to um, keep that voice strong. Um, and, yeah. Yeah. I wanted to to make... I wanted to make that that process sort of available to folks um, in terms of doing that sort of slowing down and and thinking about like, okay, like what do I need? And like that that's okay. Um, yeah, and sort of doing a little bit of work to unpack like, okay, like why? Like where does that, that like mean voice come from? A big piece of Black Femme Survival work for me has been sort of um, – uh, unpacking femphobia in the queer community because mm. um, that's like a really big thing for me and I talk a lot in the book about where the word femme comes from um, and how you know the word femme literally comes from black lesbians who created that word because um, you know people were identifying as butch mm. um, and there wasn't a word there wasn't another word um, and so um, femme is like a really important word for me um, in terms of yeah, talking about gender expression and also gender identity and the, and the intersections of that. Um, and so, yeah, I think a lot of my personal work and Black Femme Survival work has has looked like, what is it, you know, like, what does it look like to be a Black Femme person it, in, like, being a Black person in queer community and also being a queer person in Black community and being a Black queer person in white communities where everyone's straight like you know like all of those intersections like what does visibility look like i also created black femme survival because like as a, a black femme person in college especially like i feel like i didn't have a lot of support in terms of um feeling sick a lot feeling sad a lot and just like really not knowing who to ask for help or like how to sort of take care of myself like that was such a foreign concept for me like self-care quote-unquote was such a foreign concept for me I didn't know how to take care of myself I didn't even like believe that I deserved that and so and like you know all of the implications of that um and so the project also like I really comes from uh, a wish to provide those spaces to other black and brown femmes um, and queer folk in general who, like, really, really deserve to to feel well. What is um, the state of production of Black Femme Survival as, I'm sorry if this is offensive, as a brand today? Oh or or did, did it sort of uh, start and stop as part of your thesis? Well, the, that's a great question. The past year I have been you know, working full time and also 
trying to figure that part out. Um, I knew that I wanted to create a project that wouldn't end at my thesis. Um, I, you know, I was so afraid of, you know, finishing school and then getting a job and then never doing anything creative again. You know, like, you know, that's, I mean, that's like a a huge fear for a lot of people in my life. Um, And so I was like, okay, how can I create a project that will continue um, and that I can always come back to um, even if it takes breaks, um, like it's, it will always be there. And so, um, yeah, I've been sort of developing that brand right now. Um, and yeah, just been doing a lot of research, talking to a lot of amazing people like Andrea Johnson, who has, um, her own brand, um, and does some really amazing work. Um, talking to Lolo Baloka, who I mentioned before, who I interviewed, um, yeah, just really trying to figure out like, okay, what is social media? What, like, what is the role of that? Um, how, you know, how can I create, um, a platform, um, that really validates black and brown femmes thriving and healing? Um, and yeah, what is my sort of part in that? Um, and so, Right now, um, the Black Home Survival guides are available, um, and I've been shipping them all over, which is really exciting. Where are they available? They're available on my website, blackfemsrevival.org. <laughs> um, you can also go to my Instagram, Black Femmes Revival, um, and um, sort of go through there. Um, yeah. Um, so I've been selling those, which is really exciting, and I am picking up to do... Um, a workshop um, sort of tour in the spring um, to local colleges and high schools and middle schools in the area, which feels exciting. Um, And uh, yeah, I'm working on developing the website um, and figuring out um, how to make the video interviews um, available to folks um, in yeah, a way that feels accessible. I'm thinking a lot about Patreon and what that role, um, uh, the the role of that can be um, in the project um, and sort of trying to figure out like, you know, the difference between my brand as Noah and like the brand of Black Femme Survival as well. Like where is their overlap? Um, Yeah, I'm thinking a lot about like how Black Femme Survival can be more of a collective project um, and how to continue doing my own work under my own personal brand. So that's a lot of what I'm thinking about right now is like how to sort of differentiate between like what is mine and what is this project. These these modern issues we struggle with. <laughs> I don't, because I mean, <sighs> 10 years ago, was that, was that anyone's concern? How do I separate myself from my brand? You know what I, I mean? Like, know. but. Here we are, and Here these are, are very real questions. Yeah. Yeah. What does black and brown queer culture in Vermont look like to you? I think, for me, it looks like... being unapologetic. And not just in the, like like uh trendy like (laughs) like like meaning of that word like I don't mean that word flippantly like what I mean is that like so much of being 
a black, queer, non-binary person in Vermont has looked like erasure and has looked like invisibility. Um, That's not just like people assuming I use she, her pronouns or like assuming that I am a straight person. Like that also looks like being included in white spaces under the guise of inclusivity and actually not finding spaces that are made for me. It looks like trying to change those spaces to be more inclusive of more people that look like me and struggling to to find a way to um, make those spaces feel good for folks. Um, that looks like you know, someone someone was telling me, actually, my therapist was telling me, I'm not going to lie, my therapist was telling me that, um, you know, she works here in Vermont. She's a person of color. She's like, I work here in Vermont because I'm, you know, providing something that I, as a young um, person of color, like, didn't have. Um, and I was like, wow, that's so noble. Like, that's so amazing of you. And um, I think something that I've been thinking about is, like, how can I be a part of doing that work without sacrificing my own mental health, without sacrificing my own, um, yeah, wellness in general? Um, I think that there, yeah, there are some really amazing queer um, black and brown people here in Vermont Um, And so I think that looks like finding time to foster those connections. Um, Yeah. And, yeah, still sort of grappling with the question of what is Vermont for me? Um, And, like, how, yeah, how can I be a part of, of, of making it feel better for black and brown youth especially um yeah those are things that i have been thinking about when do you feel most brown and out (laughs) i feel most brown and out when i am surrounded by my black and brown friends and we're singing karaoke jp's (laughs) <laughs> no, not in Vermont. Oh, uh, <laughs> I was so presumptuous. And, uh, and not here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Noah, for speaking with us today. Thank you.